In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. And with me is not Anne. She's off at some dippy-dippy TV conference in Arizona, Cinemalia, or someplace. But I have the next best thing... She is the queen of pain, Maureen Wood. Hey, how you doing? You did make it. I did make it. I told you. I, I, held, I held my breath until I heard the voice. Yeah. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. So anyway, hey, do you know a girl named Bonnie at the place you work at? A girl named Bonnie. Yeah. Hmm. In the, hmm. In the tech, tech department. I don't. Hmm. Okay. I don't. She just, she just won tickets to John Thorogood and the Destroyers. Really? Yeah. Very cool. No, I don't know. I don't know her. Well, actually, right. I might, but, you know, yeah, I probably know her by face. Yeah, I thought it was almost the same department. That's like, whoa, whatever. Yeah, Bonnie, huh? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Hmm. Tech so support, you, you said? Yeah, something in the tech department. I forget what it was. But anyways, that's we'll neither here nor there. <laughs> so, how have you been, young lady? I've been fine. I'm working on it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Trying yeah. to uh, recover from surgery and everything else going on, but doing well. Yeah. Uh, so you are turning slowly into a bionic person, correct? I, yes, I am. In fact, those who know me well call me Robomo. There you go. I know. Pretty sad, but true. <laughs> <laughs> I actually uh, had uh, coffee with the witches of Georgetown today, so that was interesting. How did that go? I noticed they that actually, on Facebook. They actually kept me, kidnapped me for four hours. It was four horrid, hours. Horrid, horrid. That yep. was a long coffee break. Yes, it was terrible. And there was these little munchkins running around and everything. It was, oh my god. Little munchkins, real yeah. people. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Kids, you so, mean? Uh, you may call them kids. <laughs> you may call them pugwudgies. I have no clue what you call oh, them. Oh, okay. But anyways, and then, of course, Saturday we did a, a quite an interesting investigation uh, on the other side of the state, which was kind of cool. Uh, uh, some interesting things going on, and, and uh, 
the, the witches actually foretold who was haunting the place. How about that? They did. Mm. With the, how close were they? Very close. Very cool. Did you write it all Very, down? Did I write it down? Well, I just told you I don't need to write it down. Oh, what happened to writing it down and, you know, checking it later? And checking it twice, find out who's naughty or nice. Exactly. Anyways, we have a guest, a, uh, a guest actually today. So uh, yeah, actually today, <laughs> actually Bruce every time, Butcher, every right? week we have a guest. <laughs> Bruce but anyways, Butcher, the animal communicator. Yes, he's an animal communicator, and his name is Bruce Butcher. 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 Bruce, you there? <laughs> yes, I am. Thank you. And, After that and invitation, how could you not? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you speak to animals then, right? That's right. Living or dead or both? Yes, both. Both, yeah. The essence of the animal that uh, that is alive in, in them that uh, seems to persist even beyond the, their physical existence. Really? Yes. Oh, I have to actually mention uh, a, a thing that happened at our investigation. We did an investigation on... Um, Saturday night, and Leslie Martin uh, went with us. Thank you, Leslie. I know you listen. And uh, we went into this barn. It was actually one building, then they added a, a, like a garage to it, and then they added a stable in it. And she she could tell there was animal energy there. I mean, is that possible to distinguish energies that are well, yeah, sure, sure is, yeah. Uh, you know, as you work with more and more different types of energy, you just refine your sensitivities, nothing really more than that. It's kind of like, uh, can you tell certain spices in food? Well, with enough practice, you can kind of refine to tell what those spices are. So it works similarly, I guess, in the non-physical realm, at least that's been my experience, that can kind of refine to uh, different types of animals fairly readily. And uh, actually, I don't know if you know it, but Maureen is actually a, a medium as well. Oh, I did not know. No. Yes, I am. Um, I will say that occasionally I've communicated with animals, but not it's not common for me anyway. Okay. Um, now, I, you know, what I've done is I went online and I did a little research, um, and I looked up there's some great um, stories about you or some, let's just say some information stating, you know, as back as about 15 years ago that you've been working with the same individuals, um, helping them with their horses and so forth, correct? Right, right, yes. I've, uh, since 1993, really. So you're, you're a hospice whisperer then? Well, you know, it's a good question, and uh, I kind of started um, just seeing what this could do out of curiosity um, after a transformative experience, very personal transformative experience. I kind of was left with this uh, with this afterglow of an ability that I, I knew nothing about, and I had no way to understand it. But but um, a very curious personality. So within a couple of weeks, the sort of shock of it wore off, and my curiosity took hold, and I I wanted to see if I could make it happen again. Uh, it kind of happened spontaneously, and. And as I grew beyond uh, just making it happen with my animals, I kind of opened up to, well, what other types of animals would this be able to work with? And uh, and that's what branched uh, and led me towards uh, horses and and dogs and cats and and wild animals and zoo animals and uh, and animals who passed and 
and then ultimately, uh, in some instances, led me back into the two-legged version of an animal, <laughs> uh, humans. So, uh, and that's the worst kind. <laughs> well, it was a very interesting communication. I'll never forget that uh, one time a, a client said, you know, my dog has a very, very uh, a bad something, and we can't figure it out. The vet can't figure it out. Maybe you could help us. And, I, you know, I really only want the minimal information. I, I just feel like I don't want to be biased by anything other than the name, the age, and the, the type of animal, the gender. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I go from there. And uh, so I, I got that information and said, you know, there's something in the belly that's sick. And uh, and this was over the phone, by the way, so there was no nodding of heads to affirm anything. It was quiet on the other end. And, oh, and uh, I drew a little picture. Sometimes I'll draw a little stick figures. I'm not an artist, but I can pull off a stick figure fairly well. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, drew a little stick figure, and I said, show me the source of this problem to the uh, to the dog. And it took me right down inside of itself, into its belly, and I thought, ah, well, we've hit. And then it continued, and it moved on out of itself into its person and said, job. And all at once, I knew there was something about this woman's job that had had created a anxiety within her and uh, and the dog was responding to that kind of an emotional climate in in the environment in which it lived and it had grown i guess in some sympathetic way sort of upset in a similar fashion so that was the 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 first experience of heading me back towards uh you know the interrelationship of uh, how how the relationship between animals and humans builds and is shared and can be uh and can be enhanced. Now, that's interesting, um, Bruce. Let me ask you how you said that it took you into the belly and then back out into the person. Um, how is it, you know, do you see something? Do you sense it, feel it, what? Right, it's a very good question, Maureen. Um, I see kind of all of those things. Um, it, it is, uh, it, it's the case that when I first learned, I kind of pulled the blinders off and said, However this comes to me is fine, but uh, as I heard you speaking earlier, I write everything down. Uh, and I write it down so it can be validated later, which is an important piece after the fact. Kind of had a scientific background uh, in medicine and healthcare, so So I will see little quick images. They're very fleeting images that pass through my brain, and, and they um, often have a little bit of an emotion, maybe a sound or a word. Uh, I guess I would say maybe embedded in them. Uh, sometimes I will just have a gut knowing. I don't know why I know it, but mm-hmm. I know what I know, and I don't know why. And I'll accept that. And I've just learned to move forward with it as though it's true and, and see what happens. Uh, always kind of reviewing after the fact what's really verifiable data that came to me with very little prompting or no prompting and no bias. Mm-hmm. And it's, I've always held myself to kind of a more scientific standard than just uh, it came to me and that's good enough. So, uh, so I'm kind of on a process of refinement over the last, uh, what is it, 18 years or so now. Right, and I, I think that's great. And actually, you know, you touch on a lot of things that aren't um, – so different, actually, from doing, like, the regular mediumship work. Um, granted, like Ron had asked, you know, is it they alive or they pass? Um, you're really dealing with the energy. But the idea is is that I really think that you have to learn how to trust your inner self. 
Um, and that validation actually helps because, you know, even when I was working with Ron and I'd be talking, you know, I'd be saying things and Ron looking, why are you saying those things? They don't make sense. But then another person might stand there and go, oh, well, that makes perfect sense to me. Right. Um, and when you hit that, that's when you go, okay, that's that piece of yourself that you know. I mean, it's, it's almost like having that blind faith and just jumping into it. Well, that's a very good point, and I'll never forget a certain communication I had with a horse at a horse show. And about 13 people stood around because they were just curious to see what this guy was all about, I guess, myself. And they asked a horse so many things, uh, how can I be a better rider, and what do you like, and what do you dislike? And all of a sudden, the horse said, oh, by the way, thanks for the spaghetti. <laughs> now... What they showed me, however, was not cooked noodles. It was a hard piece of spaghetti. And I thought to myself before I said it, well, this is, this is me trusting whatever comes must have a place. And, it, mm-hmm. and exactly what you've just mentioned happened. The uh, client looked up and said, oh, my gosh. And I thought, <laughs> well, now they've declared me crazy. Uh, but what they followed with was, oh, my gosh, that's, the animal's favorite food. Now, why you have uncooked spaghetti at a barn, I have no idea, but apparently they do, <laughs> and they feed it on a regular basis to this animal. Never heard of such a thing prior or since. Not to a horse, huh? I've never heard it anyway. Uh, uh, yeah, so uh, so those kind of events, yeah, do really galvanize that uh, something else is happening. I mean, uh, if a horse said, I like alfalfa or I like hay, well, that'd be a whole different thing, wouldn't it? Right, exactly. We kind of expect to hear some things, but when they when they pull one from uh from somewhere else and it gets immediately validated, that really really taught me to trust whatever's there, no matter how odd and unfounded it may sound or uncomfortable I may be saying it. So, I mean, do you talk to past animals too, for instance? I noticed like as soon as I had you on there's like Two or three people in the chat room. Uh, by the way, they can join us in the Tojinet chat room. Uh, but uh, they they have dogs that passed, and they want to know about them. I mean, is that normal? I mean, is do you get that type of questions? And and uh, absolutely, absolutely. Really? And I would I would say about fifty percent of the animal sessions that I do are for animals who've passed. Um, there seems to be the human-animal bond uh, that happens with humans that uh, that so impacts and helps to transform or open them or bring meaning to their life that when the animal uh, lifespan is shorter than their own, uh, it leaves a, um, an emptiness, a uh, an uncertainty about, geez, I opened up and became a better, fuller, happier, more settled, uh, loving, caring person. But now my best friend is gone, and can, will it stick? Did I do right by that animal? And uh, and that, in essence, uh, are most of the questions that come. Did I do right by my animal? Did I put them down too soon? Were they ready? Right. Um, those right. are the most common questions. Now, if, Bruce, um, I know that you're, you explained a little bit about how you perceive or those snapshots to the gut intuition and so forth that you pick up from the energy from the animals. But how about, I mean, I once did a, a class, let's say. I did it, did it um, actually at Circles of Wisdom in Andover, um, and it was on animal communication. And one of the things they mentioned was 
going out and communicating with a pet, sometimes using pictures, like you visualize what it is you're trying to explain to them. Is that true? Do you believe that, or do you think words are the same thing? Well, um, first I'll just say that my beliefs are shaped by what I've seen occur over and over again with high repetity uh, in kind of a scientific ballad way. So I don't sort of ascribe beliefs and then try to fulfill them. I uh, I wait to see what patterns emerge, and when they are so consistent, I say that must be a belief. Mm-hmm. What I also base it on is the best that science research has to offer, and science research has to offer us that uh, in humans we now know that uh, we think in pictures. Mm-hmm. Although we think in thought, we think and form a picture, although it may be below our uh, conscious awareness. It is, it is at that level that animals seem most easily uh, uh, able to perceive us and able to uh, send us messages. So, um, so the answer is long-winded, but yes, um, I, I do believe it. Uh, there's scientific evidence to prove it. And if one were to spend time in that area, you would no doubt become better and uh, a better facilitator for, uh, and carrier of the message. The tough part for a human, however, is not sending pictures, it's listening. It's becoming quiet enough in the brain to listen. Okay. And a lot, of people, a lot of people may say, well, that's a, uh, that's a meditative state. And, you know, um, it really is and it really is not. There's a way to get into a meditative state by paying attention very closely to all the subtle sensations that you're having and quickly cataloging them down. In other words, you put a unit focus onto the physical and emotional sensations you're having and quickly passing them from brain to hand onto paper. Uh, and that seems to be the easiest, uh, quickest way for this ability to start to become more refined and show itself uh, to the person, uh, the student or the learner. Uh, so. Uh, rather than put people into a meditative state, I get their brains very busy. Uh, that also is kind of scientifically backed, not kind of, it is scientifically backed as the easiest way to perceive non-physical data, which animal communication is just one one type of. Okay, very good. I mean, so it's, in a way, it's similar to automatic writing, right? Maybe putting the information or requesting information and then just writing, not putting too much thought into it? Yeah, the less we put into uh, into it, the better. The minute we stop to wonder what this all means or how it fits, uh, we truncate the the stream, the incoming stream. So, you know, at first it might be like a, a mob of bees flying at you, uh, little bits of data and information, but very very quickly they they sort of with practice line up one behind the other, so you can get them down on paper. It's kind of funny, and that really happens within a day particularly in a group class uh, where people are all focused on wondering or being curious about their own particular ability and whether they can become closer in some way with their animal and understand them better. When that energy sits in a room with six or more people, it uh, highly magnifies everyone's ability to be able to learn it much more quickly than than even a one-on-one lesson. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron Kolick and my special co-host Maureen Wood today, and our guest is Bruce Butcher. Now, Bruce, you're going to be uh, doing some classes over at uh, Circles of Wisdom, I believe. 
Oh, yeah, I love to come over to circles. Uh, you know, I teach all over the country, a little bit out of the country in Canada, but, uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite places to go. The energy of the place is great, and the people who come are absolutely uh, curious and wanting to know what this can do to help. And uh, everyone really says it's a great town. When are they? Um, the class uh, coming up is uh, next Saturday which is uh, is the sixth. That's a first level of animal communication. That really is, what is this thing, and can I do it? Uh, mm-hmm. And I, rather than teach you uh, whether you can or not, I give you the opportunity to have the experience of doing it. Um, that seems to be what solidifies it for people. And then the next day, I teach a, a Reiki healing for animals, which is a, which is a Japanese style of intent-based healing. Um, and it, and it, uh, it complements well with the, uh, with the first class. Many people repeat and come to both classes. Some, uh-huh. some they're not even sure why, but something just told them I should do both. Uh, so they, they're very complimentary. The, uh, the, the interconnection sort of facilitates the moving of energy and understanding or watching what energy moves facilitates the, the awareness of what is happening at a deeper level, uh, with that animal's essence. Okay, that sounds interesting. Now, I do want to mention one thing. If anybody has a question, they can go into the Tojanet chat room or the uh, go to our Ghost Chronicles Next Generation Facebook page and like us. You don't have to really like us. You can just pretend. And uh, you can put a question there. Or you can call 877-864-4869, 877-864-4869. And we actually have one question, and somebody you mentioned Canada. I know Cat uh, is from Canada, and she wants to know where in Canada. Uh, I've been in Toronto and Vancouver both, taught in both places. Okay. And now going back to your Reiki stuff, Maureen is a Reiki uh, practitioner, Maureen? Yeah, Reiki master. Reiki uh-huh. master, and I, I'm a level two uh Reiki practitioner, and how does that vary from animal Reiki? I mean, say Maureen and myself. You know, uh, there's a few things that vary. Uh, with humans, the uptake is uh, a bit more stunted. The uh, the decision about whether to get better and what to do with the energy and how to understand what's happening all seem to sit in the environment with with. Uh, with the practitioner, the Reiki practitioner. With animals, um, none of those things sit. The need to know why is absent. Uh, mm-hmm. They simply will accept and fully utilize to the, their maximal capability um, anything that uh, comes close in their environment that's benef- uh, beneficial energy. So their uptake is quicker. Uh, what that physically feels like for some Reiki practitioners is nothing happened or about the time I got all set up and ready to get going, uh, the animal walked off. They seemed to be done. So it happens in about, uh, well, a third to a quarter of the time. So a long session for an animal would be 20 minutes. Uh, a typical session would be about mm-hmm. 10 minutes. They'll often sort of self-select. They'll come if you're a Reiki practitioner and if you kind of are around animals and sensitive to when your body lights up, and is passing or moving energy, you'll see them position themselves at different places at different distances from you. And uh, if you're aware of watching energy move or sensing energy moving, you'll see the uptake happening. So they'll kind of come up, plug in, and move on in some 
in some way of thinking. So not only is their uptake quicker, but their sensitivity is heightened. Um, by that I mean you tend to be a little more able to work with an animal hands-off than hands-on. Hands-on can be a bit overwhelming to them, and particularly back of the hand uh, is something that's employed a whole lot with animals. Uh, also, the uh, flow of energy from their core through their chakra system, which is different than ours, through their uh, auric field, any point of input of energy uh, flows more readily. So you can be a core healer, a, a aura healer, or a, uh, a chakra healer, or anything in between. The animal will find it, uh, plug in, get what they need, and, uh, and move it where they need it to go. And the third thing that's always surprising and this is what I'll have Reiki practitioners, and I have a lot of Reiki masters come to class, uh, and they're always kind of surprised. When they listen for what comes back to them, there's always an exchange. So when they go to help a very ailing animal, for example, in class, and if I tell them to listen for what comes back to them, it is a quick blast of almost nearly overwhelming energy. Uh, because there's a, a bilateral, it's both direction, bidirectional energy exchange. Um, and so those are the main components where in the human there's usually some energy exchange. Uh, mm -hmm. In an animal, it's big and it's, uh, it's powerful. Their energy field, uh, fields are much thinner and a little bit more refined at, at different areas as well, but, but we won't get into some of those finer distinctions here tonight. Um, but So they're slightly different in that way, too. So, so there's no problem as far as uh, energy intermingle. You say that they, they draw energy. No, Reiki, actually, energy passes through you, correct? Correct, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's... So there's actually no problem, be, whether it comes from a person or or actually, I mean, and I kind of want to mention this. I don't know how much time before the break, uh, but uh, can other animals heal other animals? In other words, do they draw that same type of energy through another animal? You know, uh, a very good question. I've witnessed that, but uh, you have to look for that to witness it, um, or you have to be in the midst of it while it's happening. Um, if that happens, it tends to be more of a contractual setup between those two little entities, those two horses, dogs, or a, a dog and a cat, or a goose and a goose and a dog, or whatever they happen to be. Um, and it tends to involve us less. And, and typical for humans, we kind of look for what involves us and what could be important to us, and we sort of don't watch so closely the rest. But one who's observant, who sits back and sort of looks for what else is happening besides what's happening in my world, um, sometimes it, you can pick up on that kind of thing. I don't see it often. Uh, honestly, I don't look all that often. You know, I usually have other purposes when I'm around animals that uh, that are more specific. But they, but they will come, and sometimes animals know about one another. So why does Billy the cat uh, spray? Well, we can ask uh, Actually, Sally. Can I ask you the hold right now? Because I yeah. think we're going into break. Uh, you are listening right. to Welcome Ghost Gunner Uncle's Next Generation. Radio we'll be right back. Cutting edge. Messages. The American Rock and Roll Countdown. Alex Price. 
Now, this Saturday morning, we're going to count them down one more time from number 40 all the way to number one with the official Classic Hits Countdown, the American Rock and Roll Countdown. We'll count down the biggest hits of the 70s with interviews and artist information, news, weather, sports, you name it, we'll have it this Saturday morning, 9 o'clock Eastern, right here on Toginet for the American Rock and Roll Countdown. The American Rock and Roll Countdown on Toginet. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for you to be a rock star. Get ready to rock with Rock Talk and Craig Deswalt and learn how to achieve rock star status in your industry every Tuesday afternoon at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Craig Deswalt is the creator of the Rock Star System for Success. Craig will share easy tips and strategies on how entrepreneurs and businesses can use outside-the-box marketing strategies to stand out from the competition. Each high-energy show will feature interviews with celebrity rock stars as well as business rock stars. For more on Craig, the show, and the Rockstar Marketing Boot Camps, check out the website, CraigDoeswalt.com, so you can learn how to be perceived as an expert and celebrity in your field, so more people come to you to buy your services and products. Then, get ready to be a rock star with Rock Talk and Craig Doeswalt, Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 Central on Druggynet.com. Well, I guess you're not going to call us back in, are you? I was going to say we're back, but it's been such a long time. Mm, I guess it has. <laughs> you are listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron Kolick and my very special co-host tonight, Maureen Wood. And our very special, 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 special guest is animal communicator Bruce Butcher. And I believe your website is BruceButcherServices.com. That's right, yes. And uh, I, I did have a couple of uh, – wait a minute. Well, you did, did you get the finish? No, you did not get the finish. I forgot where you were, though, unfortunately. Well, I kind of did, too. Maureen, do you, can you put us back on track? <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. No pressure. Yeah, oh, I got on a roll, and I really lose well, You were, do, you were doing so between, good. <laughs> you're talking about the energy between two animals and healing each other, and then you have to kind of be in that area uh, yeah. to catch it. Yes, and uh, it has been on occasion where one animal, I can ask one animal about another's uh, condition, and they know more about that animal than the animal does itself. So that's uh, something I stumbled across probably 12 or 15 years ago, uh, asking Billy about Sally or Sally about Billy, what do you know about them spraying in the house or whatever that happens to be, and Mm -hmm. just another potential avenue. Okay, now... Well, let me get this in because okay. you know what I'm going to say anyways. Um, uh, no, don't say it. Oh, I am. <laughs> you know I am. Uh, there was, uh, we've been, I've been asking this question since we started the show 10 years ago. Um, there was a, a Haverhill doctor, uh, Dr. McDougan, Dunkel McDougal, who did a lot of research on the weight of a human soul, and he determined after some research that a human soul weighed about 23 grams. But during his experimentation, he also euthanized, I believe, 15 dogs, and he found that they lost no weight at all. So he, ergo, that dogs had no souls. And I think Dr. Uh, McDougal's an idiot, but anyway, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) So, let me ask you, I mean, are you certain that dogs have souls? Well, we have to define soul before I can answer that. Great answer already. They have have an essence that is inside them when they're Mm -hmm. physically uh, embodied. 
that essence is persistent after their physical body passes um, and goes to predictable uh, places that have certain uh, characteristic look and feel about it um, and have certain roles that they play and certain interactions that happen. And sometimes uh, I've heard them talk about coming back. In some instances, they have told me they came back and told me what they were before. That's oh, been cool. then, then verified by the uh, by the client who who happened to say, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, tell me about my cat. And I said, can I first say something about a dog who's passed, who was yours, and and is here again? And uh, by the way, they were a they were a dog with you that was black and white when you were eight years old and lived on the other side of a chain link fence. So, are we so talking about reincarnation in animals? It appears that that would be the the most precise word for it. Yes. Huh. Oh boy, you're going to really send run for another a... topic. I just yeah. love. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to pass on, on this one. though. I'm going to pass on this one because uh, I am. <laughs> I'm going to be nice. <laughs> well, you know but, what, Bruce? My perspective is that you know we recycle cans, we recycle glass. Why yeah. not recycle perfectly good souls? Uh, yeah, well, I don't know, you know. Uh, I, I just know what I've encountered out there. And no, it's true. Didn't yeah. have much opinion about any of it. Um, I, I'm kind of curious, but I'm not predisposed towards any particular area. I kind of let it reveal itself to me. And doggone mm-hmm. if I heard once, I've heard a thousand times about uh, the other side and showing me what it looks like and uh, about coming back and, and not coming back and not coming back mm-hmm. yet and all the variations that I say to myself. That's a significant pattern that is uh, unrefutable um, as things measured. We actually have a question from Scott from, uh, I believe he's from the U.K. Uh, he uh, Maybe what we lose on death is a spark of energy or link us between the spirit. Animals may not need this as they are closer to nature, thus... Uh, than we are in the world. So that's, he's asking that kind of question. Is that possible that they don't need this uh, energy to come back? It's, it's, they just come back freely, I guess, is kind of what they're saying, I think. Uh, well, it's interesting because he must have read my mind because ever since you told me 23 grams, I've been wondering about that, uh, missing mm-hmm. in animals. And the second thing I've been waiting to kind of say is, you know, animals exist simultaneously with their awareness in the physical and in the non-physical. And now we're back into the Ghost Chronicles sort of world where you two are very adept. Right. But, uh, um, there's been instances where, um, you know, a foster cat was brought into a home, was mm-hmm. fine for two weeks, then started to behave oddly, and I got a call. And when I tuned into the cat, the cat was watching. Uh, 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 gosh, it looked like just a parade of people walk through the house from one end of the house to the other, and they were sort of walking, belabored, dragging. And I said, for gosh sakes, Pam, where do you live? And she told me the name of the city. I said, well, there's just people traipsing through your house. They're ghosts and spirits. She said, oh, well, I live on Route uh, US 40. I said, the old National Road? And she said, yes. So then my hair stood up just like it is now. Ah. And uh, apparently uh, all that I needed to do with that animal uh, was say, you know, they're not our concern. And uh, pointed to the ones walking through and said, "This is your people. These are your. This is your group. These are your people, and them. We don't need to worry about them. They're their own thing." 
Okay. Now, see, see, that's interesting too because even reading some of the um, the YouTube, you know, examples, let's say on your site, you know, it it does bear in mind that a lot of your assistance you're given, and not that it's not towards the animal, but I think a lot of times you're actually helping the living or the person rather, maybe either understand the animal or just kind of figure out. I mean, it can be even as simple as that one dog that didn't, you know, he used to throw his food all over the kitchen but didn't like to have it in that spot. So once right. the owner moved it to another location, the dog was, you know, happy. Right. Right. Bruce, and, I, and, okay. Yeah. Go ahead, Ron. I, I have to ask you, we have a, a caller. Would you take a, a question? Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so can I, can I answer this one uh, just as we cue them up? Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, uh, my purpose really is to sit in the middle and translate, uh, Maureen. Mm-hmm. It's to, to hear as precisely and clearly as I can uh, from the animals and then turn and use the best that our language has to offer to uh, to communicate those ideas on exactly as I felt or heard them and then to turn likewise to the human, uh, receive what they have to say and translate that as best I can into uh, something that the animal will uh, will perceive and will land with the animal, and then and then let that understanding really start to transform things. It turns out that that is seems to be a universal rule that understanding helps. That's fantastic. Okay, so will you take this phone call? Absolutely. Okay, Michelle uh, from Tennessee. Yep. Hi, Michelle. Hi. I have a question about my dog, Hildy. Hildy is a pound dog, and she's probably, I don't even know how old she is, but she's an older dog, and we got her, she had been in in there, the shelter about three months and didn't have much long to go, and saw her, which she's not an attractive dog, but I love this dog to death. But I was, I didn't know if you could tell me anything about her past before I got to her. Yeah, um... How old is Hildy right now? I, I They said when I got her, they said she was seven, so she'd be probably eight or nine right now. Um, you know, I get quick images uh, from her about her past. It doesn't seem uh, too outstandingly traumatic. Um, the, the the one thing that she shows me that's persistent that uh, is a point where she doesn't quite understand is uh, it's an outdoor scene. It's a uh, there's a human male in the outdoor scene. There's a uh, pickup truck in the outdoor scene. Oh wow, wow! That, I can't believe you just said that. That's funny. Uh, and it, <laughs> it appears to be a building that would remind me of a, a, a longer, thinner type of building that would be covered with metal, like a camper. Uh, mobile home or a longer, thinner type of uh, uh, chicken barn or something of that nature. Um, and uh, and there's a disconnect. She doesn't feel connected to that human male. So right. there is another area that, uh, frankly, she's experienced and that she's going to leave it at that. So it's not something that she's... Uh, I guess I would maybe say in our language that interested in dragging us, or dragging herself back through and pulling up memories and talking about them. Um, she says that uh, she flinches at hands uh, because of the man. When hands come to her, it reminds her of the man. Um, and uh, and the the way she sort of cowers down towards the ground is from the man. 
So when there's a startled thing and she drops her front end down towards the ground, that's from the man as well. Ah, okay. That actually makes a lot of sense, especially with the pickup truck, because I know that the animal control officer, when he came, they were telling me about that, that she was outside kind of running around with another a group of dogs, and that's when he picked her up was in a pickup truck. Okay. And it's one of those with the little thing on the back, like the animal control hitch thing on the back. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Good job. Okay, Michelle, does that help you? That does. All right, thank, thank you so you, much thank for calling. You. Yep. Thank Bye-bye. you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye, guys. Now, Bruce, can I ask you a question? Sure. Um, what in, you, so you've been working with the animals for roughly, what, 18, 19 years, correct? Yes. Um, in that time, and I'm sure there's been many occasions, um, and probably over the last 10 or 12, it's, it feels like it's been a lot more. Um, what was the most profound, let's say, reading that meant something to you uh, in that time? Can you remember that? Or Oh, uh, yeah. I've been able to be honored in several ways, and I might choke up here because I'm heading that way. Um, a, a gentleman, uh, a professional horse trainer of Saddlebreds, asked me to come to his barn. Um, this was his second visit. The first time he was just going to do one, and we did the whole barn based on what he heard. This time he he was retiring one of the show horses. And uh, he asked some questions, and how are you, and how do you feel about your work, and we're going to be moving you on, and here's going to be your new person. And all of a sudden, Maureen, uh, the horse looked at me, and gave me this message for him. He said, tell him, here I go. It's okay. (laughs) said, tell him he did right by me. Oh. And it, it, again, my hair just crumbled. Um, This was a tall, heavy, uh, stocky man from Kentucky, seasoned professional horse trainer. And it just was like something that shot through him, hit him in his gut, and put him and all the rest of us in tears. You know, to be honored by being able to pass a message like that through uh, on this gentleman's behalf, he said, that's something I wanted to ask, but I didn't know how I was afraid. And here the animal had just popped up and said, looked him straight in the eye, so to speak, and said, you've done right by me. Mm-hmm. Now, that's awesome. I mean, if that's uh, something that he probably had heard the man or maybe he had that psychic connection, knew he wanted to know, but just there was that disconnect between the two. It uh, could very well could have been. Um, that's one, just one of the cases that come to mind, you know, just, just one of them. Others are uh, animals that I've worked with that uh, a simple little point of understanding um, had transformed everything. So... At a certain time, I lived in central Ohio, and it gets uh, cold, and the heat comes on, and it blows out of uh, registers in the floor, like many places. And a cat had started to pee in those registers. Um, oh. That created a lot of problems between the yep. husband and wife because they I can imagine different about the cat, and every time that kicked on, it was uh, aromatherapy oh. we don't really care for. And I asked the animal um, a very refined question over the years, which is, uh, you know, what makes that necessary? And uh, she said, uh, it disappears. Oh, really? Um, so oh, they, so, so her, he wasn't seeing it anywhere? Yeah. So her purpose um, behind where she uh, urinated was to make it disappear. 
And it was the best she could do because one of the doors uh, that led to the litter box had somehow gotten closed rather than be held slightly ajar as it always had been. Oh. Um, they, uh, they took better measures to uh, keep the door open, but uh, from that time on, they reported virtually a different animal, just that level of understanding. I really said to that animal very simply, um, uh, pee in your box. You were to pee in your box. All the animals work? go in yeah. the box. Yeah. And when wow. the people heard she's trying to make it disappear, it was no longer uh, a high degree of anger and angst about this animal terrorizing them so much. They saw right. that she was in her own way trying to solve a problem. I can't get where I need to, but I know I need to make it disappear. Oh, that's kind of sad, actually. <laughs> it's, we, we actually uh, have an, oops, it's where sorry. understanding helps, you know, very simply put. Right. Yeah. We actually have another phone call. You Would you take it? Sure. And this is uh, Kat from Canada. Hello. Hi, Kat. Hi, Bruce. Hi, Maureen. Hi, Hi Ron. Hi. <laughs> um, I had a little dog pass away last year, and um, him and I were very, very close. We were very connected. And I just kind of want to know, uh, well, two things, how he's doing now and why he used to growl at my husband. Yeah. What's his name? His name was Danny. Danny? All right. And uh, male dog. And when did he pass? He passed last August, August 19th last year. 2010. And at what age? He was nine. Now, uh, as I start to tune in, uh, Maureen and Ron uh, and Kat, I'll just tell you, the reason I ask that is so I can kind of get the right little bundle of energy out there. I don't want trying to get you now. <laughs> I got to find it, so hang on with me. I know dead air is not good for radio, but let oh, me, no problem. Uh, let me you're, you're... draw it in here for a moment. When no he was problem. a little white bundle of joy, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure, just like you. Uh, so... Um, <laughs> He's talking about, uh, Danny's talking about his passing, and what he's saying is he smoothly exited his body. Yes, he did. Now, I'll just frame this in a a sense of this. They usually tell me things that they didn't feel they got through to their people. So whatever his exit looked like from the outside, he's saying he smoothly left his body, It was absolutely peaceful. He'd had a terrible stroke, and um, we knew it was the right time. Yeah. The barking at your husband uh, seems to be... It was a growling. He used to just bare his teeth. Yeah. That seems to be uh, something he learned to do. Really? He learned it very young. Uh, he paired it together. He has t- there's two components in this, and they will see, hear and sound paradoxical. But there's uh, there's an excitement in this. There's an enticement to try to get your husband enticed to interact, and uh, and there's an association with food, both in there. <laughs> hmm. That was because he, he didn't always do it. It was years and years we'd had him, and out of the blue, mm-hmm. he started growling at him. Only yeah. if I, he was in my arms. Yeah, yeah. So very strange. Yeah. <clears throat> they do odd things sometimes. They do. Is he ever going to come back to me? Oh. You know, um, the first thing he showed me was a very soft, subtle energy, um, and very close to you now. 
uh, and has stayed very close to you, that soft, subtle energy, the, the essence of who and what he felt when he was alive is very close to you. So there's not a plan to re-embody right now. Uh, there's a plan to continue that soft, subtle, very close feeling of warmth about who and what he was when he was alive to keep that close to you. That's his plan, to stay, stay close to you. Well, that sounds like a good enough plan as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. That was absolutely wonderful. He's off to your right, just in front of your chest at about uh, 1 o'clock usually. Aw. And I'm sure he's around my little girl, too. Oh, I'm sure. He adores yeah. her. Yeah. All right, Kat. Thank well, you thank so much. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ron. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Maureen. Bye-bye now. Yeah. Bye-bye. 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 Um, yeah, what- Bruce. Oh, I'm sorry, Ron. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You're listening. I just want to mention you are listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Maureen Wood and Ron Kolick and our very special guest, Bruce Butcher. Butcher? Butcher. Butcher. <laughs> I don't know why I have such a hard time, but no It's like old times, you know? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, but, Bruce, actually, I will say that, I mean, I love the animals. The last couple of years, I haven't had, you know, a pet in the house because the last one I had was really a nightmare. Um, I mean, I loved them, but it was more every day. It was, you know, like an aggression thing. Um, But the reason I'm asking this is because, you know, to me, I would love to go to places and work with animals. Is it a criteria of someone that comes to your classes that they have to have their own pets to, to practice on? Or is it something where, say, you go to, I don't know, like an MSPCA or you can go work with different animals after the fact, you don't necessarily have to have just your own. Yeah, very good question. Um, to come to class, what you need is curiosity. A curiosity, uh, a hunch that there's a little something more than the physical when it comes to animals. And a willingness to explore that is a benefit. That would be icing on the cake, but a lot of times um, I've had an engineer uh, type of person sit in class and he waits for the, or she waits for the evidence before they form curiosity. <laughs> You know, and I'm completely okay with that because I have seen over 15 years of teaching, the evidence is always there, always, always there in a surprising way. And um, so, what's unique about the class is uh, is the I don't give feedback about what this animal was or is or what was important. I teach a standard series of questions that lets you get to know who this is. Mm-hmm. And it's a great series of questions. It's seven simple questions um, that are repeated over and over. And then what uh, the students will do is share openly what bits of data they got in response to those questions. And there they corroborate each other uh, unknowingly. So the validation is not from me. It's from uh, one another if they choose to look for what they got right. Okay, so in other words, are any animals present? Is it pictures? Is it just names in, from other in animals? The, uh, yeah, in the first uh, level of class, I mm-hmm. leave as few distractions as possible to the process. So the few distractions as possible means uh, there are no animals present, and we'll work uh, the majority of sessions with animals uh, that have chosen to be teachers or instructors, and we'll work with usually name, uh, gender, and age. And if uh, if people are having the humans are having trouble learning that way and and feeling confused, then I'll start to give them less and less information. Occasionally, just writing down an X on a piece of paper as representative of that animal, and uh, 
and have them extract the data from that. Oh, cool. That tends to really help people solidify that they're not hearing it's a dog and thinking of dog things or a cat and thinking of cat things. Right. to set all that excited. In other words, it gives them the experience of just raw, pure, non-physical receptivity. Um, And that starts to uh, exercise the non-physical muscle. And uh, they get better, and they get better darn quick. Okay. I actually have one question. Now, we talked about uh, you being an animal communicator, but don't animals on the other other end try to communicate with us a lot of ways? For instance, and and don't they have the the same almost psychic ability? I mean, for instance, I know that if if I'm not feeling good or whatever, my cat uh, will come up to me and uh, be with me and stay with me, and the same with my wife. And and I'm sure that's the same with other people as well. So in, in the same way, they have that same ability to sense as we do. Yeah, one of the things I mentioned was they they sort of coexist in the physical and non-physical world, and and your example is very very poignant for a non-physical sensitivity to what's happening with those close to them. So when when a human does feel ill and they're close to that human, they don't need to be told. Um, They sense it. And uh, some animals have the ability, like we see humans and Reiki and other intent-based healing, they have some sort of hard wiring where they're able to uh, be a vessel for energy passing through. And uh, and that's always an interesting relationship when I come across that type of dog, cat, horse, or elephant, whatever it happens to be, mm-hmm. where uh, where they're a vessel for someone else, for the human. And uh, that seems to be one of their major purposes for uh, for being here, being with that individual. So, okay. yes, that that's absolutely uh, something I see over and over again. They sense at a non-physical level and communicate uh, communicate and hear from that level very now, readily. Being a, as a paranormal investigator, I mean, we, we deal with uh, spirits. I mean, we sometimes see apparitions. And I've noticed several times during the years I've investigated that animal spirits, uh, apparitions, I should say, animal Mm -hmm. apparitions show up. Uh, Is that a true animal spirit? Is it just merely a recording? What is it, do you think? Uh, you know, I've only got a couple instances, personal instances, so I'm reticent to make conclusion on it. Okay. Both of them, I sensed the essence of uh, an animal who had passed and uh, and described what that animal was and who they were and how they behaved and and their their essence to their to the people with me. Um, is that a real apparition or a real spirit or not? I I, I don't know. I, I have too few to to uh to call what i do know is when i say animals live with one foot in the physical and in the non-physical we'll see cats uh, owners report in that they watch the room and when i say to the cat show me what what you see through your eyes i'll see what they're looking at and it's uh you know it's non-physicals whether they're people or or orbs or energy movements or whatever they are well, Bruce, I hate to tell you this, but we're just about out of time. Wow, golly. Oh, no. Yeah, I want to thank you so much for being on the show, <laughs> and you will be over at Circles of Wisdom. Uh, is it, It's a week from this weekend, right? Yep, it's, uh, it's the... Uh 
It's the weekend of the 6th and the 7th, and then I'll be back for advanced level classes at the end of August. And, uh, and of course, then on my website, there's uh, articles that I've written about things that I've come to understand as patterns. Um, and, and that uh, is uh, BruceButcherServices.com. Yes, sir, it is. Yeah. Well, Bruce, well, Bruce thank you so much for being here with us. I think you're great. Just want to say that. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, and that's from a psychic, so she must be tuning in saying that you're yeah. a real deal. So I, yeah, I think he's a real deal. Okay. The old psychic joke, uh, yeah. you're okay, how am I? <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I mean, it's 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 so interesting because they, they do appear on, on investigations. I mean, sometimes it's just a like a, a spirit or something, and sometimes more physical. I mean, I know one more, uh, last time I was at Wood Island Lighthouse, there was a, we were in broad daylight, and I saw a dog go by a door in a kitchen. You know, as the dog goes across the floor, you can actually hear him, and there was no noise. And I got up immediately and, and looked, and there was nobody there, and there's no way for a dog to get out of the house. And, and I described the dog to Sherry, who... Uh, is uh, with the Lighthouse Association, and who knows all about it. And the, the dog I described was actually uh, the same description of a dog that was left on the island because he did not want to leave the island after the uh, Lighthouse people left. So yeah. interesting proposition. So, Good Bruce, stuff. I want to thank you so much, and we are just about out of time. And, and once again, he's going to be at the Circle of Wisdom next week. Check his website out, BruceButcherServices.com. And thank you very much, Bruce. Thank, thank you, you so both. much. All right. Bye-bye. From goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night, deliver us good morning.